hey guys, school is back in session and you have to make sure you have all your necessary books and equipment and materials for the curriculum. But let's be real, the only book you truly need is the latest issue of Fangoria magazine. Fangoria is one of the premier brands in horror, delivering quality magazines since 1979. Featuring exclusive articles about your favorite monsters and up-and-coming terrors, each collectible issue is sure to delight with fright. Be sure to check out the Fangoria store website for subscriptions and a bunch of cool merch. And while you're there, use promo code WOULDYOUDIESHOW for 20% off your entire order. That's right, 20% off your entire order. Applies to subscription and one-time orders. Applies to the first subscription order only. Now, it's time to go back to school. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. You are all my children now. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm joined by three-time returning champion of Would You Die. I meant to say guest, but I'm going with it because this is like this is one of those intros where it's like it's like a sporting event, you know what I mean? Or a boxing match. It's not. It's just a podcast. I like the term champion that brings with it. Also, I didn't write this down like I usually do. So listeners, if this one's a little more unhinged, it's because your boy is a little unhinged today. But anyways, it's one of my bestest friends in the whole world. You know her from her previous episodes, which was Satanic Panic, which was one of my big hitting episodes my first year. And then Horror 101, which that one was super fun. I wanted to do kind of like a sequel to Horror 101, but I felt like Horror 102 or 202 or however school works. I don't know. I'm old now. I don't know how that shit works anymore. I want to do something different. So, but we are going Back to school with our lovely guest, Lisa Petersmark. Hello. I like being the three-time returning champion. I think that's great. I like that I won the podcast. I think there's only two. There's three of you who've ever done more than. Yeah, there's there's three of you that's ever done this more than. No, there's four. I think you're the fourth person to do it three times. I'll take it. It's like joining the, what is it? Like the seven timers club when you host SNL seven times or something. Yeah. It's you're basically an EGOT. Exactly. Yeah. You're basically an EGOT. And off the top of my head, I know other returners include Lex Vranick. She's done the show a few times. Brett Miller. He's part of the three club. And then I think the ultimate galactic universal would you die champion bobby torres who's done this six times (laughs) all excellent guess excellent excellent guess so i think he's like the winner of the tournament of champions but you are a champion nonetheless i'm getting up there man i'm coming for you bobby oh challenge (laughs) gauntlet has been thrown (laughs) well I got to get you guys on together. That that will be a fun episode. <laughs> that would be fun. That would be cool. So, but yeah, if you're listening and you don't know Lisa, she is, we've known each other since college. We went to the great Michigan State University um, mm-hmm. where we both played the trumpet in the marching band. So we walked the walk and we do the doot. 
I've never said that before, but I just came up with that right now. I'm actually very proud of it. I like it. I think it's good. <laughs> yeah. Lisa's is a teacher, so she actually knows school and shit. And she's going to bring us back to school with horror. I, <laughs> I do know school. Um, I actually go back to school myself starting Monday. I get the kids. But uh, today we're going to talk about something even scarier than back to school, which is horror movies. <laughs> um, I feel like when you think like back to school horror, obviously, like you think teen horror, you think the the kids, you think, um, you know, anything that takes place in a high school. So that's kind of what I've prepared for you today. I have 10 movies all with the centered around the high school theme, teenagers, solving mysteries, getting killed, becoming monsters, you know, the vibes. We love the vibes in this house. And for context for everyone listening, Lisa's a true champ because because I had a hole in my schedule and I needed to fill it super quick. And I just go out of the blue. I just go, Lisa, I need your help. Back to school. Go. <laughs> and I, I'm such a bad podcast host. Lisa's coming in the clutch. That's all I gave her, guys. <laughs> it's Hey, I mean, like, it was enough to start with. There's so many movies that you could talk about for this genre, yeah. really. I mean, a lot of horror movies center around, like, the teenage experience, right? Because I think genuinely because it's, like, a really, really scary part in a lot of people's lives. Um, So it's a really interesting thing to tie, like, existential horror to as well. And so a lot of horror movies end up centering around kind of that theme and that thesis. I love that. I'm I'm really excited to dive into this topic, but I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot for a second. When you were in high school, what were kind of the big horror movies that you or your friend group really enjoyed? Ooh, horror movies that were of the early 2010s. I mean, like big one was Jennifer's Body, obviously, um, which we're gonna talk about a little later, but that was like a huge horror movie kind of of that time. The Babadook was was like one of the first ones that I remember like talking about with my friends. Um, and I didn't I didn't see it in theaters, but like I watched it at somebody's house. My senior year, The Witch came out, and that was a big deal. And then kind of as we get into like early college, I saw it came out when I was in high school, but early college I saw Cabin in the Woods with you. Um, and that was a really really awesome movie. So I think those were like the types of movies that were really really popular when I was in high school was that kind of I know we've talked about how you don't like this term but like the elevated horror kind of genre was starting to like become on the rise like it was right before like Midsummer and Hereditary dropped but it was like The Witch and and The Babadook and, and those kind of like movies were starting to become really popular so I am an old man and by that, I mean, I'm slightly older than my guest, because when I was in high school, I think I think we would have only had one year of overlap if we went to the same high school. When did you graduate? 2012. Yes, we would have had one year of overlap. I was a freshman and you were a senior. So we would have had one. It's funny because in my experience. My high school experience, the big movies were like when I was entering high school, Saw was just ending. Okay. So I feel like I came to the Saw train late. And by that, I mean, I really enjoyed the first movie when I first saw it in high school, but I didn't watch the sequels until last summer. Mm -hmm. I'm excited for the new one. But anyways, the big movies series for me in high school was Paranormal Activity. And I remember uh, 
that that was crazy hype and i was a freshman in high school when i saw that in a packed theater scared me shitless because it did what the blair witch project did and kind of like pretended it was real for a bit so i i remember thinking like did they just show us like real evil and murder in the movie theater because that's messed up i didn't pay for that right yeah sorry go ahead finish i was I no, um I was just gonna say, but those that was like the big series, and then other big ones I remember having a big impact on on me was Insidious. I was just gonna say, like you were in high school when Insidious came out, right? Yeah, and that when I think of that franchise, I think of high school. I think of being with some of my best friends, and I didn't see Insidious in theaters, but I saw two, three, and the recent one in theaters. But I skipped four, and I. I didn't catch the first one in theaters, but I remember being in my friend's house and we watched Insidious and it scared the shit out of me. And we were watching it on like a like a small t- like TV. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Insidious fucked me up a lot, man. <laughs> I think well, I think like that movie really, really defined um, like a lot of our generation and like the people in between us I think yeah. that defined a lot of people's like first horror movie experience or like not first but like one of the ones that, that like sticks with them they're like even to this day that movie terrifies me you know like whatever yeah um, whereas I feel like a lot of us when you know we watch movies over and over again obviously we become desensitized to it and that that doesn't happen with Insidious at some point but like I feel like that's the one that everybody still talks about being really really scary for them the first couple times they watched it oh it terrified me Mm -hmm. because I don't do demons that shit scares me and I think Insidious has one of the scariest characters his name's Darth Maul yes um but they like to call him the lipstick face demon. Mm-hmm. But we all know his name's Darth Maul. But yeah. he's, a, he's a scary dude. Yeah, terrifying. <laughs> and that jump scare. Like, all I say is that jump scare and everyone knows what I'm talking about. Everyone knows exactly what you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> ugh, ugh. But yeah, Paranormal Activity, Insidious, Human Centipede. I remember seeing that at a high school party because... Mm-hmm. Um, I remember me and some of my, especially when we were seniors, we'd watch, we'd get together and watch horror movies a bunch. And I remember some of the big nights were, we watched The Human Centipede. I remember we put on The Exorcist, got bored halfway through, like before it gets really scary. And we put on Scream 3, (laughs) (laughs) which no disrespect to either movie. But The Exorcist is one of the greatest movies ever made. And right. Scream 3 is enjoyable. Like, there's a different... I mean, like, listen. They're the both Ex- good. They're both... I love both of those movies. The Exorcist is one of the greatest movies ever made. Scream 3 is, like, the fourth best movie in the Scream franchise. <laughs> right. And, so- like... I don't know. I don't I don't ever want to get into scream rankings because people take that shit way too seriously now. But it's still my least favorite of the scream movies. And it's still a three and a half, four star movie for me. Like, I love the scream franchise. I don't think there's any bad scream movies. That's what I was going to say. I mean, like, it's not my least favorite. But even so, like it there, there's no bad scream movies. Um, right. There, there's there's just not i love the scream franchise it's my favorite like horror movie franchise so i can't talk shit but it's yeah still not the exorcist <laughs> and 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 the thing is like it's funny because the exorcist is by far the better movie like let's not 
shit around, but it wasn't the better movie for a bunch of rowdy high school seniors. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. Is I think the thing about comparing Scream 3 to The Exorcist is Scream 3 was not trying to be The Exorcist. Scream 3 was right. trying to movie and it succeeded very much and it has an audience and that audience is me and i (laughs) (laughs) and scream 3 was the perfect movie for us in that moment not the exorcist right exactly so this takes a hot minute to get into and when you have a bunch of like adhd high school boys that's not what's happening and it wasn't just boys we were inclusive yeah well we were all band kids so i guess we were exclusive but still (laughs) But anyways, I remember that. I remember we did Final Destination, the fifth one. And then I remember hosting at my house. I remember hosting seven. And that was a big movie for us. I was going to say, I feel like Final Destination was also really, really defining for our age group. Yeah, but in my mind, Final Destination is more like Saw, where that was coming out when we were kids. So even though that last one came out while I was in high school... I still think of that franchise as like a as something that messed me up when I was a kid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that that I do have very fond memories of that last Final Destination while in high school. And then and then I remember hosting at my house like a watch party for seven. Mm-hmm. And I think I hosted Scream. I, I think I do know me and one of my best friends in high school would watch Scream 2 all the time. Why that one? I'm not sure. <laughs> you can't. Other question- than it's awesome. You can't question which Scream movie calls to you in which moment. And then there's another Scream movie that, that you have on your list, which I'll talk in depth when we get to it. Yeah, I know which one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go with the first film on your list. So the first film I have on my list is the, don't get it twisted, 1985 film Teen Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this is a really good, like, lighthearted way to start off this list. It's obviously more comedy than horror, but um, if you've never seen the original, like, Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox, Scott is this high school student. He plays basketball. That's kind of his, like, only claim to fame. He's very popular. Um, And then one day he finds out that he has a hereditary uh, condition where his entire family turns into werewolves. And so rather than at first, obviously he tries to hide it, but then it kind of becomes a big crux of his popularity because he starts to utilize it as a way to like win his games. And then he gains more popularity with it. And he sort of kind of has to learn to tame the beast within throughout the movie. Obviously this is iconic for a lot of reasons. Um, mainly because it spawned like the Teen Wolf TV show, which I've actually never seen, even though I really, really love this movie. Um, But uh, it, you know, it obviously like helped popularize Michael J. Fox and um, was like the inspiration for a lot of like modern 80s uh, horror adjacent things. Like for example, Stranger Things, Steve Harrington is partially based off of this character from Teen Wolf. Like there's a lot of really obvious influences there. But yeah, I, I think it's a, a great way to kind of start off your your high school back to school movie marathon if you're looking for something a little more lighthearted. Yeah. And I mean, this is a horror movie podcast, so we can't forget that horror is for everybody, but not everybody can handle all the horror. Mm-hmm. So we need our Teen Wolves in Jurassic Parks and Scooby-Doo's 
for the people that I don't know, not everyone can handle hostile right off the bat. Some people can't ever handle hostile, but everybody can handle Teen Wolf. Everybody can handle Teen Wolf. I think genuinely has nothing to do with back to school, nothing to do with horror, honestly, nothing to do with like Teen Wolf as a whole. But the scene where they are van surfing is like one of my favorite scenes from my childhood. Like I just remember <laughs> Styles getting on top of that van and like surfing through, I don't know where they live, some small town. And I was like, I want to do that one day. I would not recommend it now. My professional opinion as a teacher, as an educator is don't, but. What about from personal experience? I will not <laughs> answer that question. Thank you. <laughs> Could hear. <laughs> fair enough no i think teen wolf is a great a great pick especially because if you're listening and you have kiddos of your own and like you know you're not going to be showing them uh the next pick on the list and we'll get to that in a few moments you're not going to show them really any of the movies on this list if they're like four or five but like teen wolf I think Teen Wolf's good. I think, yeah, Teen Wolf is a really, really good, like, start into horror concepts. I mean, like, the werewolf is a horror concept. That's, like, there's no divorcing werewolf from horror. And And puberty. And, yeah, and the allegory for puberty, which is, again, perfect for back to school. A horror concept. (laughs) Yes, a horror (laughs) concept. Perfect for back to school. It is, like, like we were saying earlier, it's the reason people are attracted to making, like, movies about teenagers, like, horror movies about teenagers, because there are so many allegories that are for terrible things that teenagers have to go through, while also just, like, being normal humans in the world and, like, learning and stuff. Talk about horror moans. (laughs) True. Um, (laughs) So... Now that we're now that we're punning, <laughs> <laughs> is it time to move on? I think so. <laughs> before we do, before we do, you said yeah. Teen Wolf came out in 1985. 1985, yes. Isn't that the same year as Back to the Future? I believe so. I can't remember which one came out first, but like that was that point where I just watched like a Michael J. Fox documentary. Um, mm-hmm. He was doing like Family Ties and yeah, Back to the Future and like. Teen Wolf all at the same time and it was yeah it was just crazy like I don't know what that whole year was like for him but it didn't seem like it was very fun but But it was worth it definitely and I think you know he would probably say the same thing but yeah because Teen Wolf is a Teen Wolf is a great movie don't get me wrong but Back to the Future is like a pop culture gold Back to the Future is my favorite franchise of all time. Like, Scream's my favorite horror franchise. Back to the Future yeah. is my favorite franchise. I don't think I knew that. It's not a popular opinion, but... But it's yours. Know, but it's fine. No, I think... No, I don't know why anyone would disagree with that. One, it's... You never said it was... The, you said it was your favorite. Who's right. going to be like, that's not your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Usually people take... And I'm one of those people who's very much like... My favorite and the best are not the same thing. When you ask yeah, me, my yeah, thing, I'm the I'm same way. That's the best thing. I'm just assuming what I enjoy most, and that is Back to the Future. <laughs> um, I do have to say, I don't, I don't believe in the concept of a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. That being said, Back to the Future is a perfect movie. Yeah, exactly. I've said that before, and I'll say that till the end of time. Back to the Future is a perfect. Like, there's nothing. I wouldn't change a single 
speck of frame. No, I I love Back to the Future. I think it's a beautiful movie. Obviously, like it launched Michael J. Fox into being a household name. Just like everything about like that 80s nostalgia goodness in my heart. And also like 50s nostalgia, if we're being real. I mean, like the whole Oh thing. yeah. Yeah. Just very iconic movie all of the characters in that whole franchise the thing that i love the most is how all of the characters do so well at playing like older and younger versions of themselves like all of the actors um like the actor who plays biff playing five different age ranges of that character and oh yeah george mcfly and and obviously like marty himself playing both of his kids um in Back to the Future 2. Just like very, very iconic. Leah Thompson. Just yeah. MVP. Absolutely. <sighs> Isn't he a dream? <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to move on, but I got to show you something real, real quick. Okay. You're going to love this. Wait, hang on. I can't see it. All right. Is that Iron? That's so cute. I didn't know they made an Einstein Funko Pop. It was like a limited edition one for a second. And had I known, I would have gotten you one. That's okay. That's adorable. Perfect there. movie. From going back in time to the land of dreams. Yes. What's the next film? Number nine on my list. The next movie on my list is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Obviously, super iconic movie about Freddy Krueger going and chasing and murdering people in their dreams. I think this one really, like, there's so many iconic scenes in this one that take place in the school. Um, Yeah. The, like, Nancy falling asleep in class and then getting chased to the boiler room and, you know, all of the kind of other main, like, other iconic scenes all taking place and kind of this allegory of, like, dreams terrifying like these young teens and there's something to be said there about like you know the relying on caffeine to stay awake like all of this stuff that like kids do in order to um kind of keep themselves awake um whether it be for school or to stay up later to hang out with their friends or nowadays like play video games or whatever um all of that is so like teenager which I feel like makes this such a perfect back to school movie because like every action that the kids take because they are teenagers is so like teen like it's so teenagery and especially because these kids in this film they have to rely only on themselves they can't rely on their parents their parents are kind of not good yeah i mean everything like their their parents don't really believe them or don't really care but they have you know so the teens have to rely on each other like you were saying and um you know, the sleepover scene is very, like, teen. The yeah. whole iconic, like, glad, like, please come over, I'm scared, kind of, like, calling your boyfriend thing, like, very iconic teen, like, movie trope. Everything is really, really, I, I'm trying not to use the word teenager, because that's, like, not a word. But I feel like everything feels so right for what teenagers would do if they were faced with this very real like horrific situation but couldn't rely on any of the adults around them yeah and i think something about a nightmare on elm street um part of it is well we'll mention wes craven a bunch the man was a genius he was an academic really extremely smart individual who understood horror but i think he also understood teenagers 
Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we talk about that enough. And maybe people smarter than me have realized this, but like you look at Scream and you look at A Nightmare on Elm Street, and these are like kids you relate to not just as a teenager, but when you're an adult, it's like, oh, I remember be- feeling like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think even just like the iconic looks in the movie as well. Um, the costume design is really um yeah. obviously very, very um like eighties, but also simultaneously very timeless. Like everybody talks about like with however you feel about him personally, obviously. I know he's a very controversial figure, but um the Johnny Depp like crop top scene, you know, with the phone, like everybody like talks about that, like all the girls fawning over him. The whole like idea of you know, this kind of like timeless problem of like kids feeling like they are like everyone's against them. They have no one. And that's something that like kids genuinely feel. And obviously we as adults, I feel like tend to laugh at that feeling the older we get, because we realize looking back at ourselves as teenagers, what we thought was the end of the world wasn't actually the end of the world. But for teenagers, this is like the hardest they've ever had to like this is the hardest stuff they've ever had to go through they don't know yet that it gets worse oh no I'm <laughs> no um, you're not <laughs> a little bit um but <laughs> they don't like they don't know that they're like the problems that they're facing are not the end of the world so when adults kind of go through life again I don't think maliciously but when adults kind right. of go through life being like you're gonna be fine like it's okay like this is again with the dramatics Rebecca like <laughs> it, no, that is not helpful because because the kids don't know that they're not alone so to kind of watch this movie where the kids are genuinely faced with a real horror and nobody cares (laughs) and they have to figure it out like that's how kids feel every day that's how teenagers walk into school and walk home every day nobody understands me nobody gets it I have to do it it's on me so I feel like this is a really really good allegory for that oh yeah I think it's perfect for that because um because sometimes because sometimes when people don't listen to kid like their kids tragedy happens Mm-hmm. And that that's a real life issue. Yeah, I think uh, Nightmare on Elm Street's a fantastic film for a multitude of reasons, but I think it's perfect as a back to school. And you mentioned like the iconic scene of Nancy kind of falling asleep in class. The first film off the top of my head that really kind of like has a scare in class, it might be later on this list but I'm thinking of a different one at the moment. I'm thinking of Halloween. Oh, yes. With Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, kind of looking out the window and seeing Mikey Mai Mai. Yes. Iconic. Um, I didn't even put that on the list and I kind of regret it now because, yeah, that's so <laughs> terrifying. Well, I think I think Halloween is less to do with school. Yeah. And more to do with teenager. I agree. If that makes sense. Whereas A Nightmare on Elm Street, has a lot of school in it. Yeah. I do think the thing that makes um that scene in Halloween particularly chilling, though, is a lot of horror obviously takes place at night. And even A Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. even though it doesn't take place at night all the time, it takes place in people's sleep. 
so when you're awake like you feel even though like there's always the fear of falling asleep as they get further and further into the movie and are running in less and less sleep it's kind of this understanding until the end of the movie that you're safe when you're awake and you're safe when it's light out and that's kind of an unofficial rule of horror movies um when we look at like the evil dead they were like we just have to make it till morning then we can get out of here it's never like said in that movie yeah like you're gonna be fine it's okay but like that's just the assumption because that's the horror movie rules that we play with so the fact that like she looks out the school window and like sees him there it's like oh no like this can happen all the time anywhere it's very mikey my my gonna get you whenever mikey my my wants exactly but yeah i think i think of that scene obviously the iconic Nancy, like waking up screaming in the classroom. And then I think another iconic high school classroom freak out scare scene is in Hereditary, where. Um, yeah, absolutely. Where uh, Alex, well, it's Alex, right? Yes. Yeah, I get him and his brother confused. But yeah, it's Alex. And he, like, I haven't seen the movie in a while, but he, like, gets freaked out and he bangs his head on the on the desk definitely those kinds of movies are are terrifying for like truly another reason where i feel like a lot of older movies rely on like quick jumps quick cuts jump scares and stuff the thing about like especially ari aster's movies is they just linger for just a bit too long so that you feel increasingly uncomfortable like obviously you know what's happening and it's it's almost like you go through like the five stages of grief while you're watching a scene like that because you like start out and obviously it's abject horror and fear and then you're like you kind of get like numb to it while you're watching it and then like you're like sitting there like oh my god like it's not ending and like that's where that kind of like really really big I think horror happens and that happens in a lot of like modern horror movies i feel yeah uh speaking of modern horror i think the next one is the most recent film on your list coming Uh, coming out in 2011 i believe so yes or is it yes it is the most recent film yeah which Mm -hmm. 2011 was over 10 years ago if you want to feel old uh, actually, that backfired. It makes me feel old because your next pick, Scream 4, was the first slasher movie I saw in theaters. That is absolutely crazy. Do you do you feel old? I do in my soul and in my back <laughs> That's and my knees. Those are places to feel old for sure. Yes. So my next pick, Scream 4, obviously, I, I would argue probably the most high school e of the scream films i think like obviously the og has some scenes and we'll talk about that later spoiler alert but this Mm. one really kind of revolves around the school and particularly like rumors and kind of how teenage girls operate amongst each other and i think that's really interesting that um wes craven used that I don't remember. I don't think Wes Craven wrote this one, but he directed it, I think. I think Kevin Williamson wrote this one, though. Okay, Kevin Williamson then, um, like, used the teenage girl rumor mill and, like, that kind of thing to play up this particular Scream movie, which I think is fascinating. I also think Scream 4 is really ahead of its time. 
Mm-hmm. And I think a lot more people are appreciating it now because of um, Emma Roberts' character, which, uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen 12-year-old film, but Emma Roberts is the killer. She's one of the ghost faces and the mastermind ghost face. Always two there are, a master and an apprentice, unless you're <laughs> fucking Roman. But um, <laughs> You're fucking Roman. Or the new one, I guess. Uh, Spoiler alert for the new one. Uh, It's not two. Anyways, uh, (laughs) with Jill, though, I think Scream 4 was really ahead of its time because her whole villain Ghostface monologue, she's going on and on about like not needing like she wants fame. But she she's right in the sense like you don't have to be skilled to be famous anymore. You don't like. She says you just have to have fucked up things happen to you, which would do it. But yeah. nowadays, nowadays you can get famous on TikTok for doing a little dancey dance. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely, definitely ahead of its time. I think it really, like I said, there's a lot of things about this movie that, again, is so teenage, is so quintessential teenage experience. Um, Like I said, it really plays with the rumor mill, which I think is so iconic, especially for this franchise in particular, because the one of the main like things that this franchise um, or one of the main like icons that you associate with this franchise is the phone, right? Like most yeah. faces always making calls and they utilize that with each other. Like they're always on their cell phone. Like they're always on their phone, which again is a very big, like teenage, especially teenage girl stereotype. Even now, like you're always on that dang phone. You know what I mean? Um, And they're always like calling each other and checking in with each other, um, which is like a very wholesome thing that like teenage girls do, but obviously ends up like turning itself on its head because like, that's how they find out where each other is. They had a dude live streaming from his forehead the entire movie. Right. Yeah, exactly. That was, uh, prescient too yeah the switch between three and four and the introduction of like modern technology i think was obviously a challenge that a lot of horror movie franchises had to overcome as we started to get more and more rapid with our technology because that changes everything right like technology i think it makes it easier to find people if you want to do them harm but also makes it easier for people who want to keep people safe to find each other like we have things like trackers and like find my friends on the iphone you know what i mean like everything which ghostface has used against people correct um but that's that's the thing right is like they i feel like this transition into utilizing technology in this particular franchise was so seamless because of the fact that the phone was already a part of it like the phone the cell phone or obviously it was home phone in the original but the cell phones the calling was already embedded into like right. this universe and then yeah like this desire for attention we have our main villain. I don't need friends. I need fans. Right. Our main villain, her. Jill, kind of has, is so, so teenage, so relatable. And honestly, like, I even feel like it's relatable to adults, too. Like, yes, we- yes, yes. Because when she says, when she says, what am I supposed to do? Go to college, grad school, work. Right. 
Like I'm like preach sister as I go to my nine to five. <laughs> so yes, as I like walk into school and tell all my kids, <laughs> please get good grades so you can go to college or trade school or work for the rest of your life. I know you don't want to, but you'll die otherwise. Yeah, as I do that, I also feel as though I wish I were just famous and had a bunch of money and didn't have to work. <laughs> No, but like, I think that's so relatable, like I said, to teenagers, but also to adults. Like we want to pretend, and it doesn't have to be like the fame thing. Like we want to pretend we don't want attention. We absolutely all want attention. Like that is something that every single human being desires in some way, shape or form. Obviously not all of us would kill to get it, but maybe I'm speaking for myself on that one. But I, I think it's something that is so relatable. And again, I know I just keep going back to that this point but I feel like that's what teen horror is it's reliant on relatability all of these problems obviously much more horrifying than what we or teenagers have to deal with on a daily basis but very much about things that we go through on a daily basis especially as teenagers in the long run and before we move on from scream 4 I'm going to quote my favorite quote you forgot the first rule of remakes don't fuck with the original. Oh, iconic. Everything about that line is so iconic. I love Nev Campbell. I love Nev Candle. Sydney Prescott, you will always be famous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, moving on. So next movie is a movie that I don't believe you've seen. It is called Jawbreaker. I'm just going to give like a brief synopsis. Do you know what it's about? I actually don't know anything about this movie. Um, so please tell me, and I'm sure there's other people listening that don't know this movie too. So I don't feel that alone. It's but not tell super, us. It's not a super popular movie. It is like one that I think is is pretty iconic when you've watched it. I feel like it's a cult classic. Um, it's from 1999. Um, it is about this group of four popular girls who are like the most popular girls in school. Three of them are kind of just like your classic mean girl, like bitch of like head bitch in charge types. And then there's I like, thought you were gonna say bitch of the week. Yeah, <laughs> um and then there's Liz. Liz is like genuinely very sweet, like genuinely liked by everybody, but the rest of them kind of just aren't very likable on their own. They, the other three girls decide to play a prank on Liz one morning and they tie her up. They put a jawbreaker in her mouth and they tape her mouth shut and then they throw her in the trunk of the car and drive to school. That's not a prank. (laughs) Yeah, I don't really know. It feels like one of those like YouTuber pranks where you're like, this was obviously too far, right? You know this. Um, And then they open up the trunk and they find out she's dead. Um, I'll do it. Yeah. (laughs) She's choked to death on the jawbreaker. That's the name of the movie. (gasps) That's the name of the movie. Yeah. So the rest of the movie is basically the three girls. Number one, trying to like cover up the death, make it into an accident, you know, spread rumors about how it happened. And then two, dealing with all of like, their like newfound popularity after this happens because Liz is gone 
all of them are obviously acting like they're devastated because their best friend is dead. So everyone feels like this newfound genuine sympathy for these people. Whereas like before their popularity was based on like fear and kind of just like association with Liz. Because everyone genuinely loved Liz, they have sympathy for these people. Um, And so they kind of have to deal with new popularity and also like covering up the like death and the guilt that comes with that that sounds really cool kind of like a mean girls twist on what's it called the that girl Allan poe the telltale heart yeah exactly yeah very much so um there's a lot of like just desserts at the very end of the film um it's more comedic than than horror once again it's kind of played up for laughs a little bit um mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty much like the next movie on our list, which we'll talk about. Um, but very like... Maybe like a dark comedy? Yeah, definitely dark comedy for sure. But yeah, it stars like Rose McGowan and has like a lot of very fun like 90s. Like, like the whole movie is very like clueless, right? Like it's very pink and pastel and like bright colors. And then obviously has this very, very dark plot. Like Hell yeah. Yeah, really, really fun. Adding that to the watch list, the mm-hmm. next film I'll probably add to the watch list because I haven't seen this film in years. I was, uh, excuse me, last time I watched it was in college, actually. <laughs> so it's been a few years for me, but the next film on the list is... Next film on the list, 1989, Black Comedy starring Winona Ryder and Christian Slater. You know it, you love it, it's Heathers. I feel like you can't have, or at least I personally, can't have like a back to school horror list without talking about Heathers. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. If you don't know what it's about, it's about a girl, Veronica Sawyer, played by Winona Ryder, who becomes part of this clique. She's kind of like an outsider. And then she becomes part of this clique called the Heathers, named because like the three girls in the clique are all named Heather. Um, She also simultaneously starts this relationship with JD, who is Christian Slater's character, who's kind of like this new student who's really mysterious and like wears a leather trench coat and, you know, like has that vibe. I won't say because again I'm afraid of getting fired what we call that vibe uh nowadays but (laughs) (laughs) but it's not great um but he obviously like right away shows kind of his violent side he garners school attention and he gets Veronica's attention when he takes a gun out at school and like shoots blanks at two of the football players again this movie came out in 1989 so it was like before Columbine when like that was like a thing you could make movies about but she like ends up kind of with this weird fascination with JD and they end up like she ends up becoming an unwitting accomplice to JD one by one murdering the Heathers and it become like it escalates as far as you know it it, it keeps escalating and ends up obviously with like a huge mess on her hands because she has now become an accomplice to murder several times over um but also is trying kind of stuck between like do I defend JD while also trying to get him the help he needs or do I just like get out of this weird relationship like what do I do here and it's a really like fascinating again kind of allegory of teenage girls and first love 
and dealing with like popularity versus being true to yourself but also like recognizing that just because somebody is like going through terrible circumstances it doesn't give them an excuse to harm other people obviously much more extreme than what we normally see of that but definitely something that teenagers deal with a lot a bunch of memories of this film came flooding back it truly is a fantastic film and I'm glad it's back on my radar because I, I am due for a rewatch. Uh, they made a musical off they of this, right? Did. An excellent musical. Love Heather's. Mm, awesome. Uh-huh. Yep. Moving on. Uh, next one is kind of a big combo because it's we're gonna talk about the movie, but also obviously very, very famous TV show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So if you don't know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is about a, the the movie is about Buffy Summers. She is a cheerleader. She's very like popular, pretty much your stereotypical like airhead protagonist in Los Angeles. She is kind of one day approached by this man called Merrick and he tells her, hey, you're the slayer. You're the chosen one. You are destined to kill vampires. In every generation, there is a slayer. She alone will stand against the forces of darkness. I know the whole like spiel, but I won't do it. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, she's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But she realizes she starts to gain like supernatural ability. She starts to gain like agility and super strength and kind of all of these things. And obviously, as is the way a vampire comes to town and she has to like decide whether or not she's going to accept or reject her faith her fate not her faith uh, <laughs> uh spoiler alert for she accepts her fate and then this turns into a tv show made by joss whedon um written by joss whedon created by joss whedon the movie was also created by joss whedon and you are in the middle of like experiencing this for the first time, which is amazing because it's my favorite. <laughs> I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You've been trying to get me to watch this for a while. I finally. Everybody else. <laughs> I finally start. Yeah. Yeah. You are not the only one. Finally, I started. I am not far. I started this maybe a couple weeks ago. I'm on episode seven. You've been busy. <laughs> I mean, like, I think, but I think the last episode I watched was the Puppet Man. Amazing. I like that one. Yeah, um, I I didn't like the hyena one very much because they ate Mister Piggy. It's and that made me sad. So I rewatch Buffy the Vampire Slayer every fall. I skip that episode every time. I can't watch it. Is it because they eat Mister Piggy? It is. Um. Yes. It makes me so sad. The, it was so cute. Well, and when he, when he hopped into Sarah Michelle Geller's arms, I was like me. But also I was like, what a cute little piggy. He'd go and oink. Yes. Um, I think Buffy the Vampire Slayer is such a good, obviously the movie, but definitely the um show well, the, as well. The show is what has the staying power. Yeah, the show has the staying power. I think... Um, I think, so in the movie, Buffy was played by Christy Swanson. She obviously did a wonderful job. I, I really, I do love the movie. I think it's a really mm -hmm. cute movie. Obviously, I think Sarah Michelle Gellar gave the character the icon status that she has today. But yeah, I really think that like, this is obviously a great addition to like the back to school because almost every single episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer takes place in the school or around. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, the whole thing is centered in the school. Like Buffy's um watcher, Buffy's like trainer is Giles, who is the school librarian. Like that's their meeting place for everything is the school library. And a lot of the monster of the week type filler episodes take place in and around the school. Uh, I mean, really, for the first season, maybe two, there's like two main like sets. It's like the school and the bronze, which is like the club that somehow yeah, yeah, yeah. are allowed to go to. <laughs> so you mean you didn't have your underage club back in the day? No, I didn't. Not back in Lapeer, Michigan. We did not have an underage club. Must be a <laughs> California thing. Right. I um, say also from Michigan. Must be a Cali thing. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but I think like the other thing too is, and I don't want to get too into this because you puberty, but um, <laughs> vampires have always been like traditionally a symbol of like desire. Um, Like they thirst for blood, you know, they want that kind of, they have that like primal want. And obviously that exists in Buffy the Vampire Slayer as well. And, like, it's a really good allegory for, like, the wants and desires that kids go through. And I'm not just talking, like, romantic, obviously. I'm just talking about in general. Like, this, as I mentioned before, everything's life or death. If a kid sets their mind on something, they're like, I have to do this. I have to get this or I'm going to die. If I don't make the baseball team, I won't make life. If I don't get the grades, I will not be okay. And I think that, like, obviously playing up that allegory with, like, the vampirism and and all of that desire-based kind of, like, like, wants is really interesting. Because we kind of go back and forth where Buffy never really loses her... I mean, obviously she ages in the show, but she never really loses like her teenager is. Mm-hmm. Like she, she's always very much like, I want to join the cheer squad. I'm going to slay my vampires, but I want to join the cheer squad. Like, you know, she has like these wants and these desires to be like this normal kid that we get to like watch her go through that while also simultaneously battling the forces of darkness. I like the episode with the bug lady. I knew you would like the episode with the bug lady. And the robot demon. Of course. Now, you can name? spoil this for me. Uh, oh, I don't remember their names. But uh, can you uh, can you spoil this? Does Bug Lady and Robot Demon meet up because they're meant for each other? I think you should write a fan fiction about it. I want them to kiss. <laughs> I think that's iconic. Bug Lady meet Robot Demon. If we have any fan yes. artists out there, please draw that. Draw Bug Lady and Robot Demon. And I'll slap the Woody Die logo on it and make merchandise off your art. <laughs> okay. So maybe you don't make that art. Like, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> I do not condone any of this. I do not condone capitalism. Never. Not no. once. <laughs> <laughs> but no, if you if you actually make the art, I will not do that. I'm not a dick. I promise. I will. <laughs> cherish it forever though yeah i would i would share the art yeah you gotta i would share the art for sure but i i wouldn't yeah i was making a joke a yolk but i I, i've been enjoying the show so far i'm just not far into it because i'm bad at watching tv and nobody told me lily from how i met your mother was in it she was willow first first of all yeah but i saw her first in american pie that's super fair. Um, 
vastly different role. Very different. Roles. All of them. All of them vastly all different. All of them just very different roles. The range on that woman. I love Allison Hannigan. She's awesome. Allison Hannigan's great. Honestly, the whole cast of Buffy. Is yeah. Like, yeah. But the I, no, the whole cast is really good so far. But I have, I really loved How I Met Your Mother when that was out. So Allison Hannigan is like the first. I knew Sarah Michelle Geller was in it. She's a scream queen. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, The Grudge, Scream Two, Scooby Doo, Scooby Doo Two, Monsters Unleashed. Oh fuck! I know what you did last summer. <laughs> really? Those are the ones we're going with, huh? Oh, okay. I know what you did last summer is an honorable mention, but it takes place during summer, so it doesn't count. I'm just gonna let you sit with that shame for a minute. That I mentioned all those movies before I know what you did last summer. It's funny because I watched I Know What You Did Last Summer like a few weeks ago. Oh, we watched it on the 4th of July. Nice. It makes a great double feature with Jaws. I believe you. Yeah. (laughs) No, it does. They're both 4th of July movies. They are. I suppose that's true. Yes. So that is your 4th of July double feature tip. If you want to make it a triple feature, there's always Independence Day. True. Um, That's the craft. All right, yeah. Next up, the craft. <laughs> Nev, <laughs> Nev, Nev, Nev. Speaking of troubled teens, and also Nev Candle Campbell, we have the craft. I loved this movie as a teenager, like so much. I mean, like I still love this movie. I base like ninety five percent of the way that I dress and look and act on the girls in this movie, but basically. Um, it's about this girl, troubled teen, moves to a new school, meets other girls who are also troubled teens, and they form a coven of witches and kind of spend the whole movie casting spells, doing fun tricks. Um, obviously, as you can probably tell by the fact that it is a horror movie, it does not go well. Um, a lot of bad things happen. But yeah. Uh, I think this is such an iconic like teen horror the the like I mentioned before like the fashion is so like the fact that I have teenage girls who still base their like entire aesthetic on the girls in the craft is like so just indicative of how iconic and like important this was for teenagers especially teen girls because there is like an underlying obviously like feminist empowerment message amongst the dark magic i suppose <laughs> nev 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 um no i think the craft i think the craft is an excellent film obviously nev campbell but the whole cast is great and it's one that i watched somewhat recently i, I watched it for the first time last year so but i thought it was i thought it was really fun i understand why everyone likes it so much i mean listen ski Ulrich is in it Skeet, 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 skeet. Skeet and Nev. Now, here's the thing. When you say skeet and Nev, you have me thinking of your next, but I don't think we've talked enough about the craft. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, the craft, very honestly, like this is one of those movies, counterintuitive as it is, because I was always that yeah. kid who was like, I don't really like horror movies. I loved the craft. 
like so much like this is the thing is I would be like I don't like horror and then I'd be like my favorite tv show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer and I love watching the craft like what was I don't I don't know what this was I but I think genuinely like I was a teenage girl and I wanted to watch stories about teenage girls who were being powerful and like kicking ass and that's what these movies were to me at the time I think like the scene where oh my gosh I forgot the character's name but she casts the spell on like the racist girl Mm, yeah yeah so iconic like there's so many different parts of the movie where you're just like again like you call it like a good for her moment where it's like yes it's wrong but I also can't help but root for you. <laughs> and I feel like that's kind of what this movie is like full of. Yeah, I think it's a great, and it kind of shows how how the power can be kind of used for like how revenge always corrupts basically. Right, exactly. And like the three remaining girls, and again, I hate that I can't remember like any of their names. The three girls who are not the like power hungry one, <laughs> they end up, sort of like understanding with great power comes great responsibility she said the line (laughs) like how you have to be careful with whatever responsibility you're given because obviously like like you said power corrupt yeah i gotta say when you were saying how when you were growing up and it's like i don't like horror but i love this and this and this and i feel like a lot of people are like that because i remember being like because i used to be scared of everything growing up and i used to be like I don't like horror, but my favorite movie is Jurassic Park. Jaws is one of the best movies ever made. I love the Universal Monsters. Aliens, one of my favorite movies. Predator is one of my favorite movies. I love Scream. (laughs) Then like on and on and on until when I got older, I'm like, actually, no, this is I've always loved horror. What am I talking about? (laughs) Right. So from Skeet and Nev, we go to Skeet and Nev. From the craft, we go to Scream. We go to Scream. This movie obviously had to be on the list. There's just so many like iconic parts that really take place at the school, especially at the like the beginning of the movie. I mean, the whole like, obviously not the opening scene, but like the whole second act of the movie takes place at the school um, right. over the course of like that first day after the drew barrymore casey kill i love the line where tatum's telling sydney about casey and sydney goes oh my gosh she sends next to me in english not anymore she doesn't it's like (laughs) damn tatum yeah but like (laughs) that's the kind of thing is like it's so so iconic kind of has that 90s gen x nihilism yeah exactly (laughs) even when when like the news team like when gail weathers shows up where's the first place they go it's not where the murder took place it's at the school um like like they show up at the school and then obviously the scene with in the bathroom oh my gosh oh yeah yeah in the stalls and like that poor girl like you she does such a good job like playing sunday prescott because like in like her character development through all the movies obviously is iconic but like that first beginning where she kind of realizes like oh my god like this is happening again because she's already been through this with her mother right so just like her kind of like feeling that trauma in that bathroom and not really like knowing what to do because she hasn't become like 
Sydney Prescott yet you know she's like just this like very young traumatized girl um and that scene is so like iconic and then she runs into Billy and obviously spoiler alert if you haven't seen the first scream which if you haven't I don't know how you got this far in this podcast but when she runs into Billy and it's obviously like foreshadowing it's so like iconic because he's so like teenage boy in that moment he like dismisses kind of like her fears and yeah, he's basically like your mom died a year ago get over it so we can do the bangy bang yeah like he's literally like can you put out already like are you done being traumatized let's go and uh, she says and i quote i'm sorry if my traumatized life is an inconvenience to your perfect existence yes iconic line um, i love that line yeah it's so, so good and then, like, you know, I mean, we sit there and we watch this movie and you see, because you get, like, the inside of Billy and Sydney's relationship, you obviously know, like, their relationship is not as perfect as maybe everybody else in the school thinks it is. But the relationship that I like to analyze when I watch this movie is Stu and Tatum. Because Stu and Tatum look like this picture-perfect couple. He seems Mm -hmm. so obsessed with her. And she's, like, just so, like, fun. And they're both just, like, they are perfect foils of each other. Or not foils, that's not the right word, because they're not the opposite of each other. But, like, they fit together so wonderfully. And you sit there and you see that and you're like, he kills her. (laughs) Like, Like, you sit there and you watch them and you're like, there's no part of, like, that movie where you watch him. And obviously, like, there's some elements of foreshadowing that he's helping along, but there's no part of the movie where he is interacting with Tatum where you see him and you're like, he doesn't actually like her. Or like he is, you know, like like he just has such genuine adoration for her. And it really speaks to that. Like, again, I don't mean, I don't want to compare all teenage boys to murderers because they're not. Some of them are lovely, but it does. <laughs> It does speak to that like impulsivity that a lot of teenagers and especially teenage boys have of like one second they're like, yeah, I'm in love with this girl. And the next second they're like closing a garage door on her. Like, I don't know. Um, Well, you also see it at the end of the film where Billy and Stu are Billy and and Stu are stabbing each other. mm -hmm. They have this plan and they they're teenage boys so they don't you know realize it's gonna fucking hurt to get stabbed and then they get angry and they stab each other a little bit too much to the point where Stu's like i think i'm dying here man i'm feeling a little woozy here like well and (laughs) that's like a teenage boy thing is to take things way too fucking far i I mean they planned a whole murder and shit so things were taken far to begin with but you know what i mean right but like i mean he is so like he's so impulsive i mean like he's that one like obviously he's the comic relief like we know that but he is really i mean like especially towards the end where he's like you know talking about how he like they'll be like she's like so what's gonna be your excuse and he's like peer pressure i don't know i just did it (laughs) Because they wanted me to. And, like, that's really, like, why he did it. Like, I mean... Yeah, he was down to clown. He was like, whatever. My homie, my ride-or-die <laughs> homie planned this yeah. murder and needed my help. And, of course, I'm going to help. And then and he, he doesn't care about the consequences of killing multiple people. No. He goes, did you really call the cops? You bet your ass I did. 
My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. So good. It's hilarious, but at the same time, really upsetting because he doesn't care. He does not that care. he killed people. He cares like, that his mom and dad are going to get mad that he threw a party and messed because, up the house. Right. That's the thing, right? Is for a lot of kids, and it's again, it's not malicious, but for a lot of kids, like they don't realize that their actions have consequences. And obviously, this is a very extreme example, but they don't realize really that their actions have consequences or that they're hurting anybody other than themselves. And so, when it comes to stuff like this, they genuinely are like upset because when only when they face consequences, whether it be like teachers or parents or whatever. And so, I think that just like again is very like teenager, very whatever. Before we move on, obviously, we have to talk about one of the most <laughs> iconic scenes in this film. <laughs> well, the fact we didn't mention fucking Henry Winkler, the Fonz, yes, playing a principal <laughs> so good such a good casting choice i don't well, know already a meta movie right. might as well right and like the fact that yeah the fact that they got him is so iconic in the first place he interacts with director cameo wes craven playing yeah. fred the janitor like our boy freddy krueger also a wes craven creation yes and then he plays this principal and he obviously gets killed school gets called off and then schools out alice cooper (laughs) iconic scene really bringing it back to that satanic panic (laughs) had earlier last year but yeah no just a really 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 well done scene very iconic i think this idea of like teenagers being like there's a murder happening and not really realizing the gravity of that situation and then just being like but we get school off though like right so good it's like so good and then like tatum's like we're throwing a party and sydney obviously because she's the only one who's been through this is like what are you talking about right like school is out you understand that means no school right like you get what this means for us and it's just like it's so like that that's it like that's the teenager mindset and it's so good and so like naive and it would like literally make my heart flutter if it weren't for the fact that like they do end up getting murdered brutally later (laughs) right pretty much a perfect movie yeah yeah with a perfect needle drop yes so now we're running out of time before we go to the final two i'm gonna go and do a real quick speed run of uh honorable mentions so I'm actually contributing <laughs> for a change. And some honorable mentions I'm going to go through. I'm going to blast them real quick. The Faculty, directed by Robert Rodriguez. It's Alien meets Invasion of the Body Snatchers meets High School. It's written by Kevin Williamson, who also did Scream. And I know what you did last summer. Next honorable mention, I know what you did last summer. I don't care. It's a summer movie. It's high schoolers. And they have high school problems. And will some of them go back to school? You have to watch the movie to find out. We have Freaky, Catherine Newton, directed by Christopher Landon, starring Vince Vaughn. Freaky's a really good movie, a victim of being released in 2020. So not that many people have seen it, but it's fantastic. It's Freaky Friday meets Friday the 13th. Interesting. It's a really good movie. 
Uh, there's another one called Tragedy Girls. It's these two girls commit murders to try and up their like social media clout. The Fear Street trilogy. Those are pure high school, high school, especially 94, which was the year I was born. Okay, now I'm starting to I'm starting to lose speed steam. Oh, prom night. Yes. Prom night. Obvious, obvious reasons why. Um, I think we already mentioned Halloween. I don't know if I'm strictly trying to think of high school, high school ones. I don't want to get into college because I think that's just opening way too many things. But if we did go to college, there's Urban Legend. There's Candyman. No, Candyman don't count because Candyman is like grad student and it barely takes place at the college. And now I'm stretching. So I think (laughs) it's time. I think it's time to move on to the top two. Final two. Final two. All right. So second to last pick is Jennifer's body. Again, I feel like you can't really have a list about this topic without talking about Jennifer's body. Um, If you've never seen it, it's basically about Needy and Jennifer, two best friends who live in this like small town. Needy is very like quiet and introverted, whereas Jennifer is kind of like outgoing, very like popular jennifer and needy kind of have an interesting relationship where it's like obvious that jennifer kind of pushes over what needy wants but anyway jennifer basically decides that they're going to go to this concert for this rock band and while they're there a fire starts and they like run out jennifer leaves with the band even though needy doesn't want her to and needy leaves turns out jennifer ends up becoming a sacrifice a virgin sacrifice for the band however comma jennifer is not a virgin so she ends up being uh possessed by a demon like permanently lots of murder lots of blood lots of very iconic lines like you're killing people no i'm killing boys Um, you're lime green jello and you can't even admit it yep so good I thought you only ate boys. I go both ways. I go both ways. So good. Um, Obviously, a lot of like really good allegories for like female friendship and um, shame around like sex and virginity and also like sexuality and questioning sexuality. But yeah, like I think the biggest reason this belongs on this list are like those very very famous and iconic like one-liners that they have um that are just so teenage girl so quintessential i don't know if you've seen this film but um i'm gonna pair jennifer's body with its sister in werewolf form ginger snaps i haven't but it's on my list i think you'll really like ginger snaps also i'm adding that uh retroactively to the honorable mentions because i just remembered that's high school as well we're going to finish this episode. I'm going to think of 20 more. I'm gonna be like, yeah. But yeah. it is what it is. Ginger Snaps and Jennifer's Body would make a great double feature, especially because one is Werewolf, one is Succubus. I don't know. Jennifer's Body is kind of demonic, I guess. But I always, to me, it's a vampire movie. It's, yeah. it, it's strange. It's definitely like a possession type situation, but it is like a very, I mean, like she, she's possessed by like, whatever it is, is very vampire. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like I'm going to mention another honorable mention um for high school horror, which is Stephen King, John Carpenter, Christine, mm. which is one of my f- favorite horror movies. And I'm just now think of it, of it as high school. Um, yeah. Cause it is, it literally, it, 
high school is a very big part of Christine. So I'm really mad at myself for thinking about it so late. But reason why I bring that up is to, like I was saying, for me, Jennifer's body is a vampire movie. It's not. <laughs> but I always read it as that Christine is a killer car movie. Like it is the killer car movie. And I always read it as a monster movie. I read it as a creature feature. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is. Like if the creature is a car. Uh, I, I, But I'm stretching. We're stretching. We're like yeah. Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. Or Elastigirl. Mm hmm. But no, Jennifer's Body is an iconic film, and it and I love how it really blossomed over the years. Right. I mean, on this podcast, I've talked about A Nightmare on Elm Street a couple times. Scream, I've talked about a bunch. Mm -hmm. But you expect to talk about Freddy and Ghostface. The fact that Jennifer's Body is one of my multiple topic movies, uh, by that I mean multiple people have picked uh, Jennifer Check. That makes me very happy. Yeah, I think she has become like very iconic and in, in modern horror because she was kind of like one of the first female pro or like not protagonist antagonists who like still had relatability about her. Like she's still very much somebody like at the end of the day, she's still like a teenage girl. You know what I mean? And that very much speaks to like the teenage girl in all of us. And we and you get a lot of you get a lot of final girls, mm -hmm. but you don't get that many badass female horror villains. I agree. Like the boys get Michael, Jason, Freddy. Um, everybody gets Ghostface. I, I said this in an earlier podcast, but Ghostface isn't really a character. Ghostface is a vibe. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I like that. Um, I, I think I'm I, I think I'm going to I, I think I'm I'm keeping that for future episodes. You should. You get Jennifer Jack and now Pearl. Yeah, agree. I mean, there's a lot more now. There's like, you know, um, Florence Pugh in Hereditary. There's a lot of I guess she's not like the villain, but, you know, I don't know. I don't really think of her as like a villain like that, though. No, she's not. But like she's very. Um, well, like, there's Annie Wilkes iconic. in. uh misery yes annie um i think in the complete opposite way if you'll allow me to segue um our final character is also like a main character who like is extremely relatable to teenage girls and that is carrie white from carrie which is our final movie we'll talk about um probably the most iconic female horror villain yeah, definitely. Definitely the OG. So Carrie is like brought up in this very fanatically religious household and kind of the movie starts as she gets her period and does not understand what is happening. Um, and because of this, she gets um, like brutally made fun of, like people throw pads and tampons on her until the gym teacher finds out. And then her main bully, the ringleader, Chris, like gets excluded from prom. She's not allowed to go to prom. So obviously, Chris has to take revenge. While she's taking revenge, Carrie is like kind of discovering her like telekinetic powers as she starts to like kind of gain more acceptance at school or so she thinks. And as she's going through this telekinesis, Chris and Billy are plotting their revenge. Carrie wins the prom queen. Obviously, we've seen the iconic pig's blood scene. Yeah, I think that the whole like that scene and the like 
going to shit like going batshit crazy on everybody I think that scene is so like relatable for teenage girls like especially teenage girls who were bullied obviously not condoning murder but like the idea of just like wanting to scream when you are kind of like in that helpless moment and have all and like retake the power immediately when we oftentimes can't is something that I think that not just teenage girls but like everybody has related to at one point in their life I have a very fond special place in my heart for Carrie Mm -hmm. because that is one of the movies that fucked me up when I was a little a little a wee little lad and it's one of my favorites I didn't get a lot of it when I was six um yeah watching it years later and actually actually watching it it's it's one of those movies where it's like Carrie White isn't a villain right but she's a villain you know what I mean (laughs) she didn't deserve any of what happened to her right she's the victim yeah, it's really it's really hard to like reconcile that because she is right. the victim and obviously we know like the way she the way that she like handled it wasn't right, wasn't the correct way, but she was also never taught anything about how to handle emotions or like anything in life. So it's really hard to like Well, that's what makes Carrie compelling. Mm-hmm. Now she's a monster because of what she ended up doing. She wasn't a monster beforehand. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I, I think it's one of those things where you can empathize with Carrie mm-hmm. and also realize she's a mass murderer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's not a good person. Mm-hmm. Not anymore, at least. No. And it's a tragic story because she was, you know, a good person and she turned into a monster. That That's the story. Like, yeah. But that leads to interesting conversations because that's, I think, that's what makes Carrie a great work of art, both as a novel and as a film. Amazing stuff. Yep. Now I want to go watch Carrie. Always want to watch Carrie. <laughs> I mean, I want to watch a bunch of these movies, but Carrie, Carrie specifically. Mm-hmm. All righty. We made it through the list. Mm-hmm. We mentioned a whole bunch of other movies. Where can the people find you should you want to be found? The people can find me on Twitter at uh, Willow. That's W-H-I-M-S-I and then Willow like Willow from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Thank you so much for joining me. This Thanks has been a blast and I hope everyone is ready to go back to school. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Lisa for joining me at the last second and for taking us back to school. A reminder, I just became an affiliate for Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. I definitely recommend checking out their magazine and even subscribing. And if you decide to do that, don't forget to use the promo code WOULDYOUDIESHOW for 20% off your entire order. Due to the SAG, AFTRA, and WGA strikes, I'm temporarily pausing the segment I Know What You Watched last week to show solidarity with the unions. It's imperative that they win this fight against the AMPTP not only for their survival, but for the survival as filmmaking as an art. And one of the most important things you can do is to help support independent cinema, especially independent horror cinema, the stuff made outside of the studios. There's a lot of banger movies out there that need just as much, if not more, attention, and now is the perfect time to support these films. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Also, now you can follow me on TikTok at Would You Die Podcast. 
You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. Next week, we are talking the greatest movie ever made. All time. Enough said. Until next time, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die. <laughs>